Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. The Mind Body Breakthrough online coaching program is a comprehensive and customizable guide for total body transformation. Its 150 pages will equip you with everything you need for a ketogenic lifestyle, from low-carb to zero-carb carnivore. The program contains a two-week carb cleanse, 30-day keto sample menu, 30-day sample workout guide, and much, much more. These are recipes you will love, exercises you can do, and strategies that you will enjoy making part of your life. From the person who wants to lose a few pounds on low-carb to the person using keto or carnivore to manage serious issues or optimize health and performance, this program has something for everyone. Sections include the carnivore allergy and autoimmune protocol, fasting, toxicity, and advanced strategies for sleep, stress management, cold thermogenesis, sauna, and more. Included with the program is lifetime access to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Coaching Group, where you'll have your questions answered, a support network to help you on your journey. Why pay for monthly memberships or coaching when you can have the best and most cutting-edge information and help at your fingertips anytime you want for as long as you want? Your adventure for a better, healthier life begins today. See the show notes for a discount link to the program and unlimited lifetime coaching. We are proud to partner with ButcherBox, now featuring their special keto bundle for a limited time. Sign up today to receive for free two pounds of wild-caught salmon, four pounds of pork butt, and a pack of their delicious bacon in your first box. All highest quality, 100% grass-fed, pasture-raised, organic, with no antibiotics or hormones ever. It's meat you can trust that your family will love. See the show notes to try yours today. Craig Emmerich, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me on. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here. Thank you. Craig, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be very familiar with with you and Maria, but for those that aren't, why don't you just take Mm -hmm. a few minutes and just tell us a bit about about your story and about your journey. Yeah, um, you know, we kind of look at ourselves as a little bit of underdogs in this community because it's kind of interesting, you know, we... Uh, Maria's been doing this for almost 20 years and I helping clients for over 15 years, you know, with doing keto lifestyles. Uh, and myself, I've been keto for almost 15 years. But it's interesting even with that, that we don't 
we're not recognized as much as you know we don't have the half a million followers on instagram like some you know some have in this community so it's kind of interesting dichotomy there but uh you know maria's journey was one of healing of, of her own she had ibs acid reflux uh pcos uh could not lose the extra weight even though she was doing everything she was told to do of eating healthy whole grains and low fat and running marathons and exercising like crazy and she just couldn't lose the weight and was still sick um and that was while going to college for you know nutrition and exercise performance telling her the same old food pyramid stuff and she's like i'm doing this it's not working uh and she just decided to start researching on her own and and in the process writing eventually writing her first book on you know how she healed herself and she did she implemented what she was learning to, on herself she reversed her pcos got rid of her acid reflux and ibs lost the extra weight even though she stopped running marathons so it was you know just kind of a revelation out of her own uh, me, it took a little longer. It took me about four or five years after she kind of really dived into it to get into the diet. Uh, I brewed my own beer, so it was a little harder for me to walk away from some of those things that I like to do. Uh, but about, I, like I said, about 15 years ago, I finally did when I just realized, you know, on the weekends, I'd still have my beer and I feel terrible and have digestive issues. And I'm like, okay, this is silly. I, this is obviously not something my body wants. I've got a, you know, I feel so great during the week when I'm eating the food she's making me. And so I just switched over myself at that point. Yes. And you also have your own journey of healing. And for some of our listeners that are not familiar with your journey, I was just wondering if you could speak to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, this was 15 years ago. I started on this path. I never really had any health issues at the time. I had a little extra weight. I think I lost about 30 to 40 pounds, you know, from my peak when I cut all the junk out and started eating keto over a couple of years, I lost about 30 or 40 pounds, got to a comfortable weight. And I was there for a number of years, no health issues. Everything was great. And then I started about six or seven years ago, I started having this lower back pain. Um, I associated it to a football injury from high school or I damaged a disc in my low back and I, over the years I've had periodic issues with it. So I never thought anything of it, but then it, it was like this, it was different. It was like a tightness, soreness in my back and it slowly spread up my back into my neck, got limited mobility. I still have struggled with some limited, limited mobility issues. And it was just this constant ever present pain. And I just didn't know what it was. Um, finally about, you know, Two and a half years ago, I'm like, this sounds like Lyme disease. It just sounds like it. So I went in and got the standard Western blot Lyme test, which I now know is up to 80% of the time false negative. So it'll say you're negative when you really do have Lyme. And this is a big problem because Lyme disease, if you catch it early enough, it's fairly easy to treat. But when it becomes chronic and you don't treat it for a number of years, it depresses your immune system. It causes all these problems to creep up. So that is, I went another year not knowing what was wrong with me. And I said, you know what? I just, this isn't right. My, my seven-year-old son could throw a football farther than I can. There's something wrong here. So I went in and said, went to a, a 
a functional doctor that we knew. And I said, look, here's all the tests I want to get done. <laughs> she was real cooperative. So she ran all these tests. I did, you know, CRP and I did, you know, ferritin. I did all these tests that I thought I could look for some answers. Everything came back normal, except extremely low uh, hemoglobin, even though I was at that point, mostly carnivore already eating lots of red meat. And my, you know, uh, my red blood cell count was low and my CRP came back at 50. And I'm like, I'm eating a low inflammation diet. Why is my inflammation so high? You know, I knew something was wrong at that point. And then my, our, we were very lucky to have our publisher who went through his own journey with Lyme, uh, contact me and say, I think it is, you need to get this test. It's an Igenix test that really catches, you know, more of the Lyme and co-infections that you can have. And then I came back positive. And that was about a, almost two years ago now um, that I finally got that diagnosis. And so about a year and a half ago, I started going strict carnivore to help with my Lyme pain. And that, uh, I've, I've tried everything there is to try about Lyme disease, that any kind of treatment you've ever heard of i've tried it uh carnivore was the thing that helped me the most out of anything i've tried and so i've stick you know last year and a half pretty pretty close to carnivore and i just have a curiosity question you guys have an amazing book coming out on january 7th um your carnivore book and you and your wife maria have written what i believe is the best book ever written on keto it's called keto so buy this guys it's available on amazon target barnes and noble that's my plug for one of my favorite books like what what do you think um are some of the healing mechanisms at play in the carnivore diet that people are having such amazing results with this diet yeah so i you know in our book coming out i try to make the case for that, you know, uh, by laying out the different components of, you know, plants and why plants aren't this, you know, we've been taught all our lives, you know, through everything in the last 30, 40 years related to health that, you know, vegetables are unlimited. Fruits and vegetables are unlimited. There's no negatives to these foods. You can eat as much as you want. Right. But it turns out that's not really true. You know, there's a lot of antioxidants in plants. Antioxidants are basically, or sorry, anti, anti-nutrients. Anti-nutrients are basically compounds your body cannot use and does not want and has to detox. So they're really unwanted things that are in these plants. Things like oxalates and phytates and, you know, all of these compounds, glucosinolate, um, all these compounds that are basically natural pesticides that plants use to protect themselves. You know, a carnivore, uh, uh, you know, in, in the animal world, an animal can growl or run away to defend itself, but a plant, it's got to use the natural, these natural compounds to defend themselves against that they've evolved to produce over many, many years. Well, when you talk about healing, um, especially when you talk about Lyme disease, Lyme really depresses the immune system. And that's why you hear people with Lyme and they're treating mold issues, they're treating heavy metal issues, they're treating parasites, they're treating all these other things because the immune system gets so depressed that things that it can normally kind of deal with, with a healthy immune function, it can't 
anymore. And so they build up. So you get these heavy metals that build up. And I also think that uh, anti-nutrients build up in the body because you've got this depressed immune function. Um, And so that's, I think that's why people with Lyme can see some improvement with keto, but maybe uh, much more improvement when they go full carnivore because they get rid of all those anti-nutrients and the body doesn't have to worry about detoxing and dealing with, and it can help you heal and, and reduce the symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I'm so glad that you're able to find that because I know that Lyme disease can be completely debilitating. I worked for many years as a neurotoxic program director at a clinic in Florida, and we help people with with Lyme disease, mold issues, heavy metals, mercury, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, it, uh, these, these people, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of them are hopeless. They're frustrated. They've tried everything. They've Western medicine has kind of, you know, failed them. And, and so it's great when people find an intervention like carnivore and uh, just have such amazing success. And, and we are seeing so many people report it just being completely life changing. And of course, yeah. Craig, that's what it's all about is, you know, being an advocate for yourself and uh, <clears throat> kind of reverse engineering health. And I, I want to talk a bit about that. I know that you're an engineer by trade yeah. and there's so many. Uh, citizen scientists in our in our community, Ivor Cummings, Dave Feldman, Amber O'Hearn. Uh, yep. Why why do you think that is? What is uh, what is it about the engineers and mathematicians among us that are cracking the code of health? Yeah, you know Ted Neiman. He used to be an uh, engineer and then moved into uh, uh, become a doctor. But yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, uh, you know Tyler. Tyler Cartwright, uh, Marty Kendall. I mean, there's just a lot of these engineers that end up in this space. And uh, I think it's a couple reasons. You know, almost every one of these people um, that we listed, including myself, had an issue with themselves or somebody they know that they used their engineering mind to say, okay, there's got to be a way to fix this, right? This person has a problem or I have a problem. There's got to be a way I can fix this. Let's start digging into the science and information to understand what I can do to change my outcomes. That's kind of the engineering mindset of, you know, trying to fix a problem and looking, not looking at, you know, okay, this is the standard solution. Do this. If it doesn't work well, it's just, I guess it's just broken. No, there's gotta be a solution. And we look at things, I think more as a systems level, you know, where you look at inputs and outputs and how that affects the system. Um, I think in healthcare today, we kind of hone down into one little thing like, you know, this hormone or what it's doing over here. And then we don't, we ignore the bigger picture of the system and the system from the system approach, you know, as an engineer, I was an electrical engineer. So I I was literally, you know, in a lab in, in Haifa, Israel at, at Intel, Intel's, uh, facilities, helping them work on, uh, debugging chips their next generation processors and if you have an input that's wrong or sorry an output that's wrong the first thing you're gonna do is look at the input and say okay are my inputs correct right if my one of my inputs is wrong that's why the outputs aren't wrong so fix the inputs and the outputs would be fine that's the first thing you do well the human body is the same we have all these inputs to health and it's diet is a huge one 
but there's also, you know, things like exercise, getting enough sleep, getting enough sunlight. You know, these are all inputs that generate good or bad outputs. You know, so if you, if you don't get enough sun, your vitamin D levels are going to be too low and you're going to have, you know, health issues down the road. You know, all of these things, uh, I think, from that engineering mindset, we look at it more holistically as a system and try to debug the, the problem. And I think that's why we kind of migrate to this uh, space uh, when we try to fix the problems we're facing. And I just wanted to follow up on that uh, regarding all of the inputs. In your book, Keto, uh, you had mentioned light, circadian rhythm, stress reduction, yep. sleep, cold therapy, and all of that. What role do you think the mindset plays in the healing of the body? It is big. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk, you know, with Lyme, it becomes a very big mindset thing. Like you get to believe you're going to get better and, and, you know, have that mindset. Um, you know, I, I think especially if you're talking just even, even just about like weight loss and, and in, in general mindset is, we always talk with clients about this is a lifestyle change. You know, I never understood the whole dieting aspect of I'll do this for a while, lose some weight and then go back to the thing that made me fat and expect a different outcome. You know, it's going to continue to do what it was doing and make you fat again. Like there's no do a diet and go back and s suddenly you're magically different. And when you go back, you don't gain weight again. Um, you know, it's got to be a mindset change that, you know what, this is healthy. This is what's going to help me lose the weight and stay healthy. So it's a lifestyle change. And I think it, you need that when you come into this lifestyle. What input strategies do you recommend for clients to go about evolving uh, their mindset and their thought process? Because there's so much science with how our thoughts can actually change our DNA and change the angles of uh, the water molecules together and, and just how it functions in the body. It's, it's truly amazing. And I was just wondering, being an engineer, what input strategies you would give to your clients? Well, when I talk about inputs, I'm talking about, you know, these health inputs in general, whether it's, you know, getting your circadian rhythms in order and getting, you know, blue blocking glasses in the evening to block out that blue light and allow your natural brain melatonin to make you drowsy. And, you know, in the morning, getting some of that sunlight and blue light to start the clock, you know, on your body and, uh, we do in the back here, we've got the, you know, juve infrared light therapy that we do as well uh, for not only mitochondria and healing, but, you know, for this, you know, in the morning, we do it for circadian rhythms and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, aspects just with light that, you know, we just talked about and getting enough sunlight, you know, at least 20, 30 minutes of, you know, sunlight every day if you can, you know, just to get that vitamin D uh to to that can be another great way to start the circadian clock you know getting some sunlight um getting you know there's cholesterol sulfates that are made in the skin that you can only get from sunlight that have some really good health benefits there's just a lot of things about light that can really help as your input um but you know a lot of things you know we we what our book uh 30 day ketogenic cleanse was more about looking at it in a whole and uh kind of all the inputs, not just diet, 
So we talk in there about cold therapy, circadian rhythms, you know, it's, it's kind of talking about, let's, let's look at all these inputs and see if they can, uh, help, you know, your, your issues. Yeah. You know, you talk about uh, nature and so many of our modern diseases really come from a disconnect from nature and all the things that you talked about, sunshine and light and things like that. Now, I know you guys are, as a family, you have quite a quite a connection with nature. I think you and Maria hiked, hiked a trail when you were younger and yep, yep. you have campers. Maria is a hunter. Tell us a bit about that, about your your relationship to nature, some of your experiences and some of the benefits that people get from that. Yeah, that's been something that, you know, both of our families kind of instilled in us from early on, whether it was, you know, hunting, camping, those kind of things. Uh, and, and Maria, especially, she's always been, even when she was in high school, she would get her, she'd hop in her car with her dog and just go by herself and go camping at her favorite spot for the weekend. And uh, she was very independent in that way and, and just loves being outdoors. If, if we could, if she could be outside all the time, she would. I mean, she just loves being outside. Uh, that's part of the reason loves Hawaii so much because we can just be outdoors all day long, you know, pretty much every day. So, and, and connecting with just nature and the earth and disconnecting from, you know, uh, devices and TVs and, uh, phones and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about evolutionary history, we were bathed in sunlight, you know, there, there weren't, you know, you might have, have a cave that you could go into occasionally, but when you're out hunting or gathering, you're in the sun, you're in nature. And I think getting back to that can be really therapeutic for a lot of people and it's free. Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing better than the sunshine, which is actually out in New England today. So we're excited here. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to circle back and ask you about your um, oxidative priority that yeah. you mentioned in keto. I posted about that on my Instagram. It was one of the most popular posts I've put out. And it really got people thinking about the fuel and repair mechanism and using the different macros as a lever. And I was just wondering if you could explain that for our listeners and how you evolved that um, concept. Yeah, um, I did a, a absolute ton of research on biology and studies when I wrote, I wrote uh, the front, I wrote about the first four or five chapters to the book Keto, and it really talked about biology and how the body works. and. <clears throat> Uh, one of the things that I came across was, was some studies and talking with some uh, people in this community is oxidative priority. And that is, um, you know, what I, the body does not like the blood to be high in any, any fuel. Okay. That, that means, you know, alcohol too high, you can die. Glucose too high, you can die. Fat too high, you can die. Ketones too high, you can die. Right. So the body doesn't like these things elevated too much. It likes to tightly control how much fuel is in the blood at any given time. Um, it's kind of like a car. You, 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 the fuel lines on a car, you don't want to run an engine too rich. You're going to blow it up, right? So the, the, the body's the same. But what happens when you eat? When you eat, you're dumping a ton of calories in the body. Like a, a normal blood glucose is 85 milligrams per deciliter, which is about... Uh, four grams or 16 calories of glucose. 
16 calories. That's all that's in your blood, entire blood volume at any given moment. Fat, you might have a little bit more, but overall, any if you look at all the fuels in a, you know, not in a exercise state, but in a, a rested state, it's maybe 100 calories at most. And you eat a meal of 800 or 1,000 calories, that's a ton of fuel coming in, and the body has to prioritize quickly so that none of them get too high, right? And and it's really pretty elegant in that if you look at the oxidative priority, it just does it in the order, uh, reverse order of what's easiest to store. So your 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 fat coming in your diet is a is a lot like the fat on your body, and it's really easy to store. And guess what? It's the biggest tank. So you you know there's people with millions of calories literally in stored body fat on their bodies, right? So it's almost theoretically unlimited storage tank. So that one, it can just store away easily. So that's the last priority that it gets to. The first priority, alcohol, because there's no storage for it. It can't store it, gets too high, you die. So body's in like panic mode. All right, I got this fuel coming in that I can't store. I've got to burn it off right away so that my, you know, I don't die. Um, and so it starts burning this alcohol off. And while it's doing that, any carbs, any fat that we're eating, just kind of go off into storage. I'll deal with that later. And so from a weight loss perspective, this is an important thing to understand because if you have a meal with a couple glasses of wine and it's got a lot of carbs and it's got a lot of fat and some protein in it, all that stuff goes into storage while it's dealing with the alcohol, uh, you know, most of it. So that you know that is why alcohol can be so counterproductive for weight loss it's it's displacing fat oxidation you want it to oxidize fat and you want it to burn your own body fat for fuel well you got to get rid of those other fuels before you can get to burning that fat for fuel and then fat by itself you know the body once you're keto adapted it doesn't really care if it burns dietary fat or body fat that to it looks pretty much the same to the body so if you're dumping tons of dietary fat into the diet like bulletproof coffees and these kind of things it's going to burn that and and store the extra as well where if you want fat loss which i think is what our most people's goal is you know, with with keto in most cases is fat loss you want to moderate the dietary fat so that you allow the body fat to be burned more. So, you know, it kind of explains the whole, you know, reason why keto can be helpful for weight loss. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of confusion as to the macros with the fat in the, the protein lever and how to leverage that with yeah. fat loss. So one of the questions I got from uh, one of my Instagram followers when I announced you were going to be on our podcast, is the question of leaner proteins. Should people mm. go leaner protein and lower fat if they have a large percent of body fat to lose? Yes. Um, so, you know, back to oxidative priority, number one is alcohol. Number two would be like exogenous ketones. If you're taking, we don't recommend pretty much anybody to take those unless you have like epilepsy um, or maybe Alzheimer's. Um, and then uh, the next one is carbohydrates, and then the next one's protein, which protein doesn't really get used as a fuel unless there's no other fuel around. Okay, so if you just eat protein, eat no fat, and eat no carbs, and you're 
fairly lean person, your body's going to have to rely on that protein for fuel pretty heavily. Um, as long as there's body fat or dietary fat or carbs around, it's going to use those instead. So protein's a little different, but it's the next. And then the last priority is fat. So um, it, it makes a lot of sense to just moderate your protein. Like, you know, they say moderate protein on a ketogenic diet um, where you're getting uh, at least your, we, we typically say 0.8 times your lean body mass for grams of protein a day. So simple, you know, 150, 150 pound person, 33% body fat would be 100 pounds of lean mass times 0.8, that's 80 grams of protein. That's kind of your threshold. That's your minimum protein that you want to preserve and maintain lean mass. If you're trying to build muscle, maybe go higher, but you know that's kind of the threshold. So as long as you get that much protein, then it just becomes about modulating fat up or down based on your goals. And this is one of the things I really liked about the carnivore uh, cookbook that we have coming out. I put these huge charts in there of all the different pro, uh, cuts of protein. So beef with like 40 different, you know, different cuts of, of beef and their macros and then sorted by protein to energy ratio. So the things that are higher in protein and lower in fat would be higher on the chart, higher protein to energy. And then things that are fattier with less protein are going to be lower. So weight loss on carnivore becomes really simple. Just look at the chart move up. If you want to lose weight, move down. If you want to maintain or gain weight, it's that simple. Don't have to count carbs because there's little to none. Um, protein, you're going to get your, if you're just eating protein from whole foods, not doing like, you know, bulletproof coffees, you're going to get enough protein. So you don't really have to worry too much about that. So it's just about fat and modulating it up and down based, based on your goals. It's that simple. So, um, you know, that for us, we definitely, you know, you want enough protein, but then the fat becomes the thing that you adjust. And, and, and it's, you know, from a, a common sense standpoint, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, again, your body doesn't care too much whether it's burning dietary fat or body fat for fuel. So you want it to burn body fat. And by modulating the dietary fat down a little bit, you can make it burn more of that body fat for fuel. I like it. Spoken like a true engineer. Um, so as as the underdogs, as you say, of the keto and carnivore community and with your engineering systems background, I wonder if you could just uh, take a look overall and what are some of the problem points that you're seeing in our community? What are what are some of the common mistakes that are being made if if you if you had the podium for a day to pull us all together and say, all right, kids, this is what we need to do. What would you What would you say? Oh man, you know, I do see that, and we've seen this over the last one to two years. We've seen a lot of people that come into this space, maybe don't have the best intentions, maybe trying to make a buck, um, and spreading some pretty bad information. And I, it, it really, it really pains me to see it because, you know, twenty years of experience with. I mean, we just started in some of our presentations putting whole slides of success stories with clients because we want to open people's eyes to what a you know whole foods, well-formulated, ketogenic or carnivore diet can do for healing. 
and we've got literally tens of thousands of these testimonies. So I just made started making slides at the end where it's like, okay, here's a slide of Parkinson's and MS. And I squeeze every testimony I can get onto that slide. And there's like 10 of, you know, pe people that haven't walked on their heels with Parkinson's for 10 years. And it, within a couple months, they're walking, you know, these type of things that amazing healing stories. And, um, so it really pains me when I see these people come in and maybe don't have the best intentions and they're giving out really bad information. You know, I'll, you know, I see groups where they're like, you have to start out with at least 200 grams of fat or you're not keto. And, you know, just, just yesterday in one of our groups, somebody asked about what this keto person was saying on their newsfeed. And I, I went and took a look at it and it's this person who has like 200,000 people in a group, keto group, uh, on Facebook, and they're giving out just terrible information, you know, about making sure to add all these fats and you, and you have to have at least 20 grams more of fat than your protein, or you won't lose weight. Like making these arbitrary statements that have no basis in biology or science and have a huge following. And the, the reason it pains me is because those people might lose a little because guess what? You come off the standard American diet to any diet other than the standard American diet, you're probably going to lose some weight. You can go vegetarian. You can go anything. But following this type of advice, you're probably going to go too low on protein, too a little too high on fat. You're going to stall. You're going to lose lean mass. It's not going to be great for you in the long term. Uh, you may lose initially, but in the long term, it's not going to be great. So that's what pains me is that, you know, there's going to be so many of these people that are going get, to get a bad experience and be turned off to keto when in reality, if they did it right, whole foods, doing it the right way, it could be life changing. Yes. And I just want to follow up on that as well. Um, I recently saw an interview with Dr. Uh, Sophia Clemens from the Paleo Medicina, and she was speaking about uh, long-term deficiency with a classical ketogenic diet um, in patients with epilepsy versus the paleolithic ketogenic diet protocol uh, that they have that they've been treating with some patients. And where you've been helping clients for over the past 20 years, I was just wondering if you could speak to some of the problem points that you see with the ketogenic diet and how uh, patients can improve on the ketogenic diet to prevent deficiency and to yeah. optimize uh, keto in healing for neurodegenerative conditions, epilepsy, cancers, and, and such. Uh, because it's all looking at it in the context because not everyone goes to keto for weight loss. They're using a yep. life-saving uh, measure. And I was just wondering if you could speak to that as well and your experience. Yeah, that gets a little more tricky, and you really gotta um, play with the levels and and different things to find th that sort of optimum point in those cases. You know, I, this is this also points out to where these some of these people that are new to this kind of go wrong is that they look to the traditional therapeutic, you know, epilepsy keto diet and say that's how keto should be, and yet that's a very serious condition where you're doing drastic measures to try to, again, keep people alive and, and, and help, help them. Um, you know, a lot of times they're like 90% fat diets and, um, we try to 
instead of going with a strict, you know, like four to one fat grams to protein gram protocol that some of them do, we try to cheat as much protein as they can handle um, and yet have control. So it, what we do is we, you know, you, you, you really got to work with it because what it seems like with epilepsy is an elevated blood ketone level will help keep the, the you know, the seizures at bay better. So it's a balance. You got to, you need the protein to get the nutrients. So that's how you avoid nutrient deficiencies because protein is a super nutrient dense, you know, beef, beef liver, especially is are very nutrient dense foods and they're most bioavailable bio uh, nutrients as well. So you need that. So you got to kind of play with it and say, okay, keep, maybe keep the fat up, but get the protein to a decent level and watch, you know, your levels and watch the, the symptoms of your seizures and whatnot and find how much you can handle versus some of these protocols uh, that they, you know, a hundred years ago they did, they just did 90% fat and, you know, these kids. So one of the things that is said about keto with kids is that it's going to stunt their growth. Well, that comes from a study done on uh, kids with epilepsy being treated with therapeutic ketogenic diets. Well, guess what? If you do the math on those kids, they're getting like 30 grams of protein a day and just tons of fat and liquid oils to keep their, you know, 90% ratio. Well, you know what you need to grow? <laughs> you need protein. And so it, 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 when you're young, we actually have, you know, uh, toddle, you know, young babies and toddlers, they need like almost three times their lean mass and protein to, to fuel growth. Toddlers, like two times their lean mass, get to, you know, 10, 12 years old, maybe one and a half times your lean mass until you stop growing and then more like the, you know, 0.8 like an adult. But you need, you mean, you need amino acids to grow. I mean, that's just your substrate. And if you're restricting it so much like they were with these kids, yeah, they're going to have issues with growth. Our boys, uh, we adopted them when they were one and two years old. Uh, they came to us from the orphanage in Ethiopia where they had, you know, not great nutrition and uh, they were barely registering on the growth charts. They're like 2% for height and weight. We just started feeding them what we, what we eat, you know, hamburger, meat and vegetables, basically. Uh, totally a ketogenic, you know, very low in carbs. Uh, within a year, they were 50%. And within two years, they were at 75% on the growth chart, height and weight, and they stayed there ever since. So, you know, you, protein is what fuels growth, not carbs. And uh, that's where you got to play the balance when, the, when you have a condition like that. And that's where I say maybe even exogenous ketones can come to play because if you need to add an exogenous ketone to keep the ketone levels up, to keep the seizures at bay while getting enough protein to ensure that health and you don't get, you know, deficiencies, that may be uh, a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great thoughts. Um, you guys, one of the things I love about your story is just the, the family aspect of it. And uh, I wonder if, if we can just finish out today with you just sharing a few thoughts on doing keto as a family, doing keto when traveling. Just what are, what are some of your uh, advice for people to make it a lifestyle? Yeah, you know, 
Maria just did a blog post, a huge post from we we just uh, spent some time in Europe. Uh, we spoke, both of us spoke at Low Carb Universe in Spain, and then spent some time in uh, France and Germany, and a little bit in Amsterdam before we came back. And you know, we ate carnivore slash zero carb pretty much the whole time, and it's really easy. I mean. You just, every place has protein, you know, every place has steak and, you know, fish and things. You just got to watch maybe some sauces or whatever that they might put on it. Um, so, you know, travel is, is, I find now, I find to be pretty easy because part of that too is, you know, when you've been keto for 15 years, you, you know, the bread is no longer a craving or I can't have that. It's, I don't want that. So it's not even really an issue. Um, so that makes it easier, but uh, you know, as far as families go, um, you know, kids, uh, I always find it striking every time I get asked, you know, your kids are keto, is that safe? I mean, I, I just, I, I did a thing on Instagram recently, I did this picture and on the top, I had basically what is the standard American diet for kids these days, nothing but Fruit Loops and Skittles and bread and pizza, pasta, and you know rainbow of colors and down below is like steak and vegetables and it's like so when did the bottom become this extreme diet like the top is what's killing kids and I, there's just a study coming out uh, that came out that said one in five 20 percent of kids are pre-diabetic i mean that should shock people and um you know to to say that feeding your kids steak and vegetables is extreme, I it just shows how crazy we've gotten when it comes to food with our kids, and it it bothers me too. From uh, you know, there's some experts that in this community, even you know, some maybe not necessarily you know in the keto community or whatever, but there are scientists that really understand things as far as what these things are doing to their bodies, and they changed their diet and eliminated that junk, but their kids still eat it. They still eat breakfast cereal and cotton candy and all this crap. And it's like, I mean, do, do we expect kids to eat absolute crap their whole life? And then suddenly when they turn 18, oh, I'm going to eat healthy now. You've never trained them to eat healthy. You've never shown them what healthy is. They don't know what healthy is. And yet they're just supposed to turn that switch when they turn 18 and suddenly decide to eat healthy. Like, you know, it's like a muscle. You got to you gotta educate your kids on what food is and what it does to them. And that's what we do is we empower them to make the right choice of what food is going to make them feel best. And, you know, I think that's just been completely lost in our country these days. Yes, I agree with you. I, I think um, that food education, nutrition education, uh, things definitely – need to change because those statistics shock me. I see them every day in my pharmacy practice. Uh, kids, adults, families just absolutely struggling with obesity and, and metabolic illness. Do you see a book keto for kids in your future uh, that you can help uh, educate parents uh, on the nutrition uh, to help bring uh, the basics back into the kitchen in the, in the home? Yeah, you know, we uh, we did a kid's cookbook about, gosh, probably 10 years ago now. It's self-published. It's on our, blo- uh, on our website, 
Um, but yeah, I think that's something that we could definitely be looking at in the future just because it is becoming an epidemic with kids. And, and, you know, I, I remember this one show, like we've lost so much understanding just of basics of what our food is. Um, I can't, can't remember what show it was, but they're in a classroom and they're showing these kids vegetables and they had no idea what those were. Like they show them a potato and they didn't know that that's what fries came from. Like they don't have a basic understanding of food. It's just like fries and chicken nuggets and, and, you know, it's just, it's pretty crazy. And I think, um, I think it would be, that would be pretty cool to have a book that kind of educates kids as well. And maybe even having, you know, a, a chapter that's for your kids to read so that it kind of breaks things down for kids. Uh, what food is, what's in it, how it affects them. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And you guys are definitely the ones to do it. Um, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. I think it's great episode. You and Maria bring so much wisdom and experience, 20 years of helping people. And I know that the, the best is yet to come. Where can these guys reach you? Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, we are we have a couple different sites. Uh, we have mariamindbodyhealth.com, which is our blog with lots of free recipes, free information. Uh, we have keto-adapted.com, which is our support website where people can get support from us uh, and we sell our eBooks and stuff on there. And then uh, on social media, it's either usually either Maria Emmerich or Craig Emmerich. Um, but on Facebook, we have a Keto-Adapted page as well, as well as a couple of groups. There's a Keto group, a Keto Carnivore group, and a 30-Day Ketogenic Cleanse group. Yes, thank you so much for being leaders in the ketogenic community, uh, leaders in nutrition, and for writing these amazing books, all these great cookbooks. And, of course, my favorite book, Keto, uh, is available at Barnes & Noble, Target, and Amazon. I have to give a plug for you because it, it – Yeah, thanks. Uh, this book, I can't thank you enough on a personal note for what this book did for me and my journey. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. All right, Craig, you have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. We are proud to partner with Blue Blocks, bringing you the most advanced blue blocking lens technology available to combat digital eye strain, poor sleep, and mood. Use the discount link in the show notes and the code CKCOACH. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.